It is so good to worship the risen Lord together. He is our hope. Alazar, thank you for leading us into the Lord's presence and allowing us to celebrate the incredible miracle of the resurrection. Typically at Easter, we look back and we explore the risen Lord. We examine the evidence that is there, which is incredible in its nature about the proof that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. And we look and explore and see how that evidence proves that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. He is our Savior. We have a tendency to look back. Today, what I want to challenge us to do is instead of just looking back, I want to urge us to look up and see Jesus as he is now, to worship him, to fall before him in reverence and in awe, to behold his greatness in a way that penetrates the darkness around us with his glorious light, to see the risen Lord in a sense with fresh eyes. Jesus conquered the grave. His tomb, unlike the one behind me, is empty. And that proof, that evidence shows that he is God. But not only is he our savior, he is risen, he is reigning, and he will soon return. And I believe that we need to look up and see Jesus, not just as the suffering savior who bore our sins on the cross, as incredible and as amazing as that is, but at the same time to see him as sovereign God who is in control right now. You and I were made in his image to reflect his greatness and reveal to people all around us who Jesus is, what he is like, and what he has done. The scripture tells us that Jesus came to show us the Father, and he did so perfectly. We are called to show the world around us Jesus, the Son. To do so, we must gaze upon the fullness of who he is. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 puts it this way. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The principle is this. The transformation of a person's faith and character comes from staring continually at the greatness, at the glory of Jesus. Beholding the glory of the Lord. When we do that, we are being transformed into his likeness. We see him more accurately and we become like what we treasure enough to spend time focusing on. Remember, faith is trusting in and treasuring God above everything else. To treasure Christ, we must see him for who he really is. We often hear the phrase, seeing is believing. God's word here says, seeing is becoming. You become like what you behold, who you gaze your eyes upon, who you stare at with the eyes of your heart. So let us see Jesus as the risen, reigning, and soon returning Lord. Let us see him for who he truly is. In order to do that, I want to invite you to open your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1 gives us a description of Jesus, 
of what he has done and of what he is like that is incredibly powerful. Oftentimes people are shy away from the book of Revelation because they misunderstand its purpose. But today I hope to correct that at least to some degree and to help you see a fresh vision of who Jesus Christ truly is. Revelation chapter one, beginning in verse four. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. This message is a revelation of Jesus Christ from God the Father, from the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus himself. All three persons of the Godhead are together for one purpose at this point in time, to reveal who Jesus truly is to us. It is a message from the eternal God, the one who was, who is, and who is coming again. And we see here God the Father, who is the ancient of days, according to Daniel 7, verse 13. The Father is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And we see also that he is the Almighty in Revelation 1, 8. Jesus here is portrayed as the faithful witness, the one who represents God faithfully. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father, because he is the exact representation of what God the Father is like. They are the same in quality. They are unified as one. But God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are each unique in their personhood. Remember John, who writes these words, first met Jesus as a man and soon discovered, however, that Jesus was so much more. He discovered that Jesus was the word of God become flesh and dwelling among us. He wrote that in John chapter one, verse 14. But now John sees Jesus revealed in the fullness of his glory, of his greatness. And my prayer today is that your vision of Jesus will grow that you will see more of who he truly is. Is Jesus Christ our savior? Absolutely yes and amen. But he is also the risen Lord. He is the reigning God and he will be the returning king. By the way, look at your Bible and I want you to look at the first five words of Revelation chapter one. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the title of the book. It's also its purpose. Understand, it doesn't say revelations. The prime purpose of the book of Revelation is not to reveal the future or the past, but to reveal the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. If you'll keep that in the forefront of your understanding when you read this book, and I encourage you, just as it says later on in chapter one, to read it out loud, 
it will help you uh, avoid error. It is the unveiling of who Jesus truly is first and foremost. It is not first and foremost about events and trying to determine how circumstances in our world today fit into a timeline. It is about Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter one, verse five says this, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. John in his writing, as he is given this vision from the Lord, from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, he reveals who Jesus is, what he is like, and a grander picture Uh, so that our hearts can understand the greatness of who he is. And he begins here by revealing Jesus' passion. Verse five, it says, Jesus loves us. In fact, he loves us to death. He's already proven his love for you and for me. Knowing everything about us, knowing everything that we would ever do, everything we would ever say, everything we would ever think, Jesus willingly gave his life as a sacrifice for you and me. Isn't that amazing? But John says he not only loves us, he also says in verse five that Jesus frees us. He sets us free from the chains, the bondage of sin. He is the one who can take anything that's holding power over your life and set you free because he is God Almighty. Verse six tells us that we are his kingdom. See, not only does Jesus love us? And not only does he want to set us free, he wants to give us a new identity. He wants to give us a new family, a new understanding of life. We are citizens of his kingdom. So much greater than the citizenship that we have may have in our home country, we are citizens of heaven. And what is more, we are children of God. Jesus gives us a new identity. In the world, our identity is so often shaped by how we perform, what we look like, and how we compare to others. But Jesus says that we are his kingdom. He has given us his identity, his perfect performance to enable us to have a relationship with God and to become brand new creations. That's our identity, and we are his kingdom. But not only does he give us a new identity, John in verse six says that we are priests to God, the father. Jesus gives us a new purpose. We are to intercede on behalf of of others and to show them who God is by pointing them to Jesus and to do the very thing that Jesus lived to do, that Jesus brings glory to the father forever and ever. You and I are called to glorify the Lord. We are to share his life and to show his greatness in everything that we do, in all that we say. We are to glorify the Lord in the way that Jesus did. Jesus glorified the Father by lovingly giving himself sacrificially for us. That was Jesus' passion. That is who he is. It's what he accomplished on the cross. But John also tells us more. Jesus is far greater. He tells us who Jesus is right now. Not just the work that he did on earth, 
but his true identity as almighty God. So secondly, John reveals Jesus' power. John says in verse five that Jesus is risen from the dead. When he calls him the faithful witness, the the word can literally be translated as martyr. He is the one who willingly laid down his life for us to buy us back. But he goes on in verse five to tell us that Jesus is the resurrection. He is the firstborn from the dead. And he alone is the one who gives life. Jesus being the firstborn means that it was God's plan from the very beginning to give us life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, to allow us to be born again to life eternal through faith in Christ Jesus. But not only is Jesus the resurrection, here John is revealing to us in verse five that Jesus is in control right now. He says he reigns over all the kings of the earth. Every president, every prime minister, every king, every leader on earth ultimately is under the authority and the control of Jesus Christ. No matter how bad things may get in any of our home countries, how corrupt politicians may be, we need to remember that God is still in control and he promises to work all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Jesus reigns right now. This is not something that just happens at his return. He is in control right now. And so we can trust him, even though oftentimes we're confused by the circumstances around us, even though we're often like Habakkuk, who we've been looking at, who's confused by the evil he saw in his world. We can trust Jesus Christ because he is in control. But John goes on and also gives us hope. He reminds us that Jesus is coming back. He is coming on the clouds. And he says that his coming will be like his ascension. He will come in the air and he will come in such a way that every person, both living and dead, will see Jesus Christ for who he truly is, even those who crucified him. Isn't that amazing? You see, there will come a point in time when Jesus returns where every knee will bow and tongue will confess that he is Lord because they will see that he truly is beyond any shadow of a doubt, God. Every people, every tribe, every nation, every language, he says, will mourn before Jesus, before the one who was crucified for our sin and is risen from the dead. Everyone will mourn, will wail, it says, because they will come to the recognition that God is who he says he is, that Jesus Christ is God, and we all must give an account before him. John has reminded us who Jesus was and how he has proven his love for us. John has shown us who Jesus is in his power as God Almighty. And next he reveals what Jesus is doing right now in preparation for his return. Here we have a description of Jesus, of what he really is like. If you truly want to have a glimpse of what he looks like, here it is. Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe, 
and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. This is who Jesus is now. Not just the humble servant who laid down his life for us, who died upon a cross, but the King of Kings who reigns in power and majesty. You see, John is revealing Jesus' presence, the fullness of who he is. Jesus is both enthroned in heaven and he says that he dwells in the midst of his church. That's what he means by amongst the seven lampstands. Jesus is the son of man from Daniel chapter seven, verses 13 through 14. He is the great king who will rule over all peoples, nations, and languages. His dominion is everlasting. What is more, we see portrayed here by the way that John describes the clothing that he sees upon Jesus, that Jesus is our high priest. He is clothed in white linen. It's a reflection back to the description we have in Leviticus chapter 16. And it says that on his chest was a golden sash. That golden sash is a picture of the high priest. And it's revealed in its fullness that Jesus is our high priest in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. He is the one who lives to make intercession for us. Isn't that amazing? That, that Jesus, the risen Lord, the reigning King, prays for you and for me. He lives to make intercession for us. That's what it tells us in Hebrews we should have great confidence in coming to the Lord because he is praying for us right now and he is powerful enough to give the answer that is needed. What we see further in John's description is a picture of Jesus' head. His head reveals that he is the exact image of the Father in wisdom and in purity. John sees that his head and his hair were white white as white wool, like snow. This is remarkable because in the same chapter that we see back in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, where John gets this picture of one like the Son of Man in, that we see in verses 13 through 14 of chapter seven, God the Father is described in this verse as the ancient of days who took his seat, whose vesture, whose clothing was white like snow. His hair, his head was like pure wool. In other words, John is describing Jesus, the Son of Man, in terms that are reserved for God himself. The white hair is a symbol of Jesus' omniscience. Nothing is hidden from his understanding and his wisdom. Jesus is all-knowing. That's the picture that John is painting for us here. But he goes on and says, not only is his hair white that reflects his omniscience, but Jesus' eyes are like flames of fire. He sees all. He has all power. He is truth personified. And his truth pierces and defeats the darkness. Jesus is all-seeing. There is nothing that is hidden from his sight. This means that he is omnipresent. There's no detail 
no circumstance that Jesus does not see. He sees into the darkness and nothing will escape his penetrating light. Nothing is hidden from him. Next, John goes on to describe Jesus' feet. And he says they're like burnished bronze. And the picture here is that of glowing hot metal, completely pure and perfectly strong. These powerful feet of Jesus point to his ultimate triumph over all the forces of evil, both those which are natural and supernatural alike. He has authority and he will trample all enemies under his feet. If his hair symbolizes his omniscience and his eyes represent his omnipresence, the feet as they're portrayed here, represents Jesus' omnipotence. He is all powerful. We can trust in him completely. John goes on to describe next the voice of Jesus. Jesus' voice was like the roar of mighty waters. Have you ever stood beneath a waterfall? The sound is overwhelming and the power is beyond imagination. That is the voice of Jesus. It is his voice that spoke creation into being. Jesus is the word of God. When he speaks, everything changes. His voice, it says, was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. The seven stars in his right hand refer to Jesus' authority and power. His voice has authority. His word is powerful. And the church itself is represented in the seven stars. It is under his reign, under his authority. Here's what Jesus' voice, the word of God, does. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, very similar imagery. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes to whom we must give an account. It's very similar to what we read here in Revelation. In his right hand, he held the seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Do you see how those passages together interweave uh, upon one another? The word of God, yes, is active like a two-edged sword that cuts through between uh, the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. But that word is a person, a person who has eyes, who sees everything. The description in Hebrews is very similar to the description that we see here in Revelation. Well, how are we to respond to Jesus? Well, the next verses in Revelation reveal the response you and I should have. This is how John responded. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one, I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. John reveals Jesus Christ as risen, as reigning, 
and is soon to return. And here John unveils that Jesus himself is our peace. He responds to this vision, seeing the fullness of the greatness of Jesus with fear. He falls at his feet in reverence and in awe. Like Isaiah, when he saw the Lord, he said he was undone. He was coming apart. Too often our image of Jesus is one that is common. We forget that he is holy, that he is perfect, that he is majestic. We need the Lord to recapture our hearts with a sense of awe and reverence before the Lord, to bow before him and recognize that the only thing we deserve is death in and of ourselves. But the beautiful thing is, is what Jesus does What Jesus does for John is what he does for each and every person who will bow before him. Jesus reaches down and places his hand upon John and says, fear not. He is our peace. The God of the universe who deserves all worship and praise, who is perfect and holy and majestic, reaches down and places his hand on all who will bow before him and says, fear not, I am your peace. I am the one who is the first and the last. That means that all time is in his hands. Past, present, and future belong to Jesus. Perhaps you're haunted by something in the past. Maybe there's a a mistake, a sin that you committed, and you just can't seem to get past it. Jesus Christ, who is holy, who is in control, who holds all of time in his hands, says, fear not, give it to me. Trust me with it, because I am ruler over the past, over the present, and over the future. But not only is Jesus have authority over all time, where we can trust him with our past, we can trust him in the present with the circumstances we're facing right now, we can trust our future to him, we can trust eternity to him, He is our peace, but he is also the living one. In his description, he says he is the resurrection and the life. He gives a final empirical testimony, Jesus himself does, that he died and he rose from the dead, conquering death and hell. That's what he means when he says he has the keys to death and Hades. We can have peace in this life, Because Jesus has defeated our greatest enemies. He defeated sin by bearing our sin upon the cross. He defeated death by coming out of the grave. His grave stands empty because he is risen and he has trampled Satan under his feet. Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. And in him, when we trust in him, we have everlasting life. Nothing can defeat our Lord. And in him, we are completely secure. No matter the time, no matter the trial, no matter the storm, we are safe in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter eight puts it this way. Knowing all these things, and it refers back to talking about trials and sword and difficulty and famine. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, 
nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. His message is the same as John. Paul saw a glimpse into heaven, a glimpse of the Lord and said, we can rest assured because Jesus, because Jesus, the God of the universe, reaches down to you and to me in his perfection and holiness and says, fear not. Every person that humbles themselves before him, that's his message. Paul in chapter eight of Romans goes on and says this, what shall we say? to these things. If God is for us, who can be against us? This is what we need to know. This is why we don't have to fear because God is for us. The holy, perfect, risen Lord, Jesus Christ is for us. He is risen. He is reigning over all the earth. He is in control. And the promise also is that he will soon return. And when he does, every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. Then he will come and judge all the affairs of humanity, everything that has been done in the flesh. This is the Jesus we trust in. This is who our faith is in. This is the one we worship. You see, Jesus is the suffering servant, but he is both the lion and the lamb. He was slain as an offering, but he reigns as almighty God and King. This is who we celebrate at Easter, the risen, reigning, returning King, Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and everything in between. Here is how Jesus ends the book of Revelation with his own words. Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. In verse 20, he goes on and says this, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon, amen. And the response, the response of John was come Lord Jesus. That should be our response as well. Church, listen to the words and believe. Let Jesus' words build your faith. Let this image of who he is conquer your doubts, fuel your obedience, inspire you to love and to share him with every person that you meet and to live a life that seeks to show his greatness, that abides in him as your life. Remember, he who testifies to these things, which is Jesus, says, surely I am coming soon. Our response should be, amen, come Lord Jesus. Let these truths, let this image of who Jesus truly is, stir our souls with life. Let them strengthen our minds with courage. Let them fill our hearts with hope because he has risen from the dead, conquering sin, death, and the grave. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Jesus Christ reigns over heaven and earth. Jesus Christ is returning soon. Let us resoundingly say, come Lord Jesus, come. My prayer for you is that you will be strengthened 
by the, vi- the vision revealed through scripture of who Jesus truly is. This is who we trust in. This is our Savior and our Lord. If you have questions, I want to invite you to, to write to us. We would love to walk alongside of you and be an encouragement to you in your faith, in your journey with Christ, and help you come to know him more intimately, to learn what his word says so that you can have a life that is filled with joy and with peace. Jesus has reached down, the holy, risen, reigning Lord, and says, fear not to all who humble themselves before him. Let us learn to worship him in spirit and in truth, and to bow our hearts and our lives before our risen, reigning, and soon-to-return King Jesus Christ.